What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, works of mercy, acts of justice, uh, doing charity in our community, whatever your questions might be, send those to me. I will sit with them i will pray with them and i will study them and hopefully get back to you with words with the response that is helpful for you to become a saint to conform your life to jesus christ however my disclaimer is this i'm not perfect therefore the advice that i share with you that i give to you might not actually be good for you if that is the case then please reject whatever it is that i say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, to conform your life to Jesus Christ crucified. However, if it is helpful but difficult, then I just want to encourage you to lean into Christ in prayer and study and fellowship and worship. And over time, we pray God will give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions and comments and critiques at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You spell out the word ask, A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. That's like the rapper Fabulous. He's F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S. F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S. Fabulous. Baby, can't you do that? Remember that song, Super, uh, Super Lil Mo? Yeah, that, that song used to go Oh man, man, the the nineties was that nineties arm? No, that was like definitely late nineties, early early two thousand. When I cry, you cry, we cry, baby. <laughs> oh man, yeah, those were the days. Those were the days. So many songs are going through my head right now. <laughs> it reminds me whenever I was a kid. My older brother, so mixed CDs were like a thing in middle school where people would, other kids would make mixed CDs um, and and sell them in school. And so, you know, whatever, we would, we would buy them from our friends and uh, which I think they like illegally put them on those, like they would burn them probably. So it probably was, probably was sinful. I might need to bring it to confession. And um, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I think it was, that was technically stealing probably. So there's, there's a sin to confess. I thank God I have that new book, Pocket Guided Sacrament Reconciliation, so I could um, discern how to bring that to the confessional, but which will be available February 19th, ascensionpress.com. You can order it now at Amazon and ascensionpress.com. But um, yeah, so, uh, well, I was about to say, yeah, so we had these mix CDs that we would uh, listen to, and uh, I remember one time my brother got mad at me, like legit got mad because he had uh, a song, it was a rap song, uh, Ja Rule, uh, ja Rule, what was it? Uh, yeah, mm, I remember what it was. Not gonna mention it, but it was a Ja Rule song. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Ja Rule used to make the voice, it's murder. And uh, and so I liked, liked that song too. And so when I had my mix CD, uh, I put that same song on my mix CD, and my brother got mad at me and, uh, and he broke my mix CD. He was like, You can't have that. That's on my mix CD. And I'm like, Bro, like, it's just a mix CD. And so now I'm throwing my brother on the bus right now. Uh, so that's another sin I can confess when I go to confession. <laughs> Look at those sins just piling up the just man sins seven times a day. So, uh, yeah, you hit me up the only questions, comments, and critiques at askfather, no, uh, slash askfatherjosh. I don't know where I was going with that, that tangent. And uh, you can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. You can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people find out about the gift of the show. I, mean, I really, man, the 90s really was a good time for music. Uh, Aaliyah was out back then. Um, I mean, there were just so many good, good songs that were just like objectively, um, yeah, good secular songs during, during the 90s. 
And some really bad ones too. Some really, really bad ones as well. <laughs> uh, I tell you what has gotten better. The Christian music has gotten a lot better from the 90s. If I listen to old 90s Christian music, I'm like, man, that stuff was really bad. Uh, so praise God that we have come a long way with, with, with that music. So uh, with that being said, what are the topics for today's show? Today's show, we are going to address the fall of Adam and Eve. Uh, we're also, uh, oh yeah, man, that's like that song from Jamie Foxx. Uh, why do I always fall for your type, uh, for your type? Yeah. So Adam, Adam and Eve, they fell. They fell, right? And so we're going to talk about the fall and... Uh, whether it was like literal or whether it was symbolic, we're also going to talk about glorifying God. What does that even mean? I mean, the Bible says it over and over again. I was praying the Liturgy of the Hours this week, and it was in the Liturgy of the Hours. I prayed the Gospel of John. Jesus Christ talks about it. St. Paul talks about it. So what does it mean to glorify God? And finally, we're going to talk about salvation for non-Christians. If you ain't a Christian, um, will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? So we're going to address that. But before we get to those awesome topics, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story uh, is, it's pretty cool. So y'all, man, God is so good. I have two glory stories. Um, one is a number of years ago, I was I was meeting with this uh, a young woman who uh, just was going through a difficult experience. And this was uh, about four and a half years ago, probably. And so I prayed with her and I haven't seen her since. It was, I prayed with her that one time and it was, uh, we had a pretty powerful prayer experience and, and that was that. Anyways, four years later, uh, we ran to each other again, and she shared with me a beautiful glory story that was a fruit of just God's grace and God doing miracles in his own will, way, and time. And it just gave me hope. I was like, man, God, you really do come through. Like in your time frame, you come through. And uh, it was just so, so beautiful. And I was praising God for this gift that, that the Lord allowed me to see the fruit. And um, yeah, just believing God's word. Uh, there's nothing impossible for God. And, and blessed are those who believe the words that God that God speaks. And so that's one thing. And number two, another glory story is uh, through my diocese, Office of Vocations. As you know, I'm, I'm pastor of the best parish in America, Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Santa Maria, which is available now for retreats. We host retreats, overnight retreats, silent retreats. So if you want to come and travel and get away, come on a retreat here at Holy Rosary. We would love to accompany you there. But anyways, I'm also the vocation director for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And through our Office of Vocations, we wrote an ebook. Um, an ebook uh, for Lent. It's free. It's on our website, www.diobr.org/vocations. And uh, in this ebook, there's a saint every day, a male saint and female saint who's a priest or a religious, who can inspire us to not settle for mediocrity, but also to have an appreciation for the gift of holy orders and consecrate your life. And then there's an encouragement uh, to pray and to fast every day. Um, during Lent, to you pick one day of Lent to, to do a, a full fast, um, in addition to Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, and Good Friday, uh, to fast for a whole day, either on bread and water or the two small meals, one main meal, no snacks, and to offer your fast for healthy and holy vocations. Uh, I'm going to be selfish here for the Diocese of Baton Rouge to the priest and religious life. And then while you're fasting, there's a sign-up sheet that you could create for your parish. Uh, then everyone else will see that you're fasting that day, and they'll pray a rosary for you so that you can persevere in your fast. Well, I'm saying this a glory story because 
I've already received a lot of feedback from a lot of people, priest uh, and laity alike, who have committed to fasting uh, this Lent for this intention for us to receive healthy and holy vocations to the priesthood and religious life in our land in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. So that just makes my heart super happy, and I'm so grateful. And I believe that we're going to see just an increase in um, really, really solid vocations to the priesthood and religious life from our land. And so if you would like to join us in this initiative, just go to that website, diobr.org. That stands for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, diobr.org slash vocations. And you can get the ebook there and follow along uh, those saints. And then also uh, pick a day of fasting and pray the rosary every day during Lent for this vocation. So with that being said, uh, let's get into our feedback and then let's jump into the show. All right, all right. Feedback comes in from Jennifer. Jennifer says this. Hello, Father Josh. Hello. I'm in the process of converting to Catholicism. Praise God. I've been following the Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmidt. Such a blessing. Oh, isn't it a blessing? I'm so grateful for Father Mike Schmidt. Y'all, y'all have no idea. I really do believe he's going to be a saint whenever he dies, uh, I pray. And uh, and it's just like, yeah, he's like the Fulton Sheen of our generation. So super cool. He's such a humble dude. And he's the real deal. There's a lot of people, I say this all the time, on the speaking circuit, like you meet different people who also have these, this charisma of evangelization. And um, Father Mike's one of those people that I've met on the speaking circuit throughout the years who is the real deal. Um, he's just a good guy all the way around um, on stage and off stage. So anyways, so you said, Jennifer, and finally came upon your podcast on Thursday. The episode on women's health with Brandy uh, was the first time. So shout out to Brandy uh, here at Holy Rosary. Uh, if you struggle with endometriosis, cysts on your ovaries, all that stuff, and want to learn about NFP, she can help you. Uh, so it was the first time I listened, and I am so glad I did. I've been struggling with an abortion I had 20 years ago, and I did not become a Christian until my late 20s, and I thought it was not possible to become a Catholic due to my grave sin. I can no longer resist the urge uh, and we'll become a member on Holy Saturday. Praise God. I really appreciate and needed to hear what you said to women who've suffered from having an abortion. I am not condemned. God is merciful. I can still be a saint and receive God's love and mercy. I'm nervous about my first confession, confessing this, but I will keep your words in my mind. Thank you so much. Love your podcast. I've been listening to all the previous episodes, Jennifer. Jennifer, I'm so, so happy that you are coming into the church. I'm so happy that you're going to receive God's love and mercy in the confessional. And I do believe, Jennifer, that you can become a saint in our generation and that you could, uh, your witness, your story can help so many other women also who um, have suffered through abortions and to help them to, to believe and to, to, to come to receive that God forgives them and that God is loving and God is merciful and he wants to abide in holy communion with them through the sacrament of reconciliation and through uh, the sacrament of the Eucharist. And so, uh, yeah, you're such a gift. You're such a gift. And I'm so grateful for you, Jennifer. So with that being said, let's jump into the show. So first question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous asks about glorifying God. Hey, Father Josh, lately I've been reflecting over 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. I find myself asking, what does it mean to do something for the glory of God? What is the glory of God? It's easier to see how 
things like celebrating mass and prayer glorify God. At the same time, how could one do something seemingly mundane or ordinary like brushing your teeth or watching a TV show to the glory of God since the scripture says do everything to the glory of God anonymous? Yeah, so that's a really, really great question. Um, I've also been praying with this lately as well, so I'm so grateful that you asked the question. And so, um, yeah, and it is. It's something that comes up over and over again in Scripture. The word glory, glorify God. Jesus Christ talks about it in the Gospel of John. St. Paul talks about it uh, in the Scriptures as well. It's all over the Bible. And so to give God glory is to praise Him, is to praise the Lord, to praise Him, not just for what He does for us, but to praise him uh, for his presence, for his divine presence. Glory is, is adoration of God for his awesome power, right? And so every action that Jesus Christ did, he did to give glory, praise, adoration, and honor to the Father. And he even did this before the incarnation. Within the, within the Trinity, there was glory that, that, that was happening within the love of the Trinity. Uh, so whenever Paul invites us to, to glorify God in our body, to honor God with our body, to praise God with our body, this means a few things. Number one, it means that our body is a dwelling place of the Lord. So receive the sacraments, receive God's mercy, receive the grace that comes from the confessional, receive baptism where we become a dwelling place of the Holy Trinity, receive the Holy Eucharist and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Glorify God in our body, but also glorify God in our body by praising God, by adoring the Lord, by fixing our eyes on his word and the scriptures, by praising him through song, by using our bodies to love the Lord and adore the Lord and appreciate the Lord, not just for what he does for us, but for who he is. Glorifying God in our body involves works of service, acts of charity towards the poorest of the poor, using our hands and our feet and our eyes and our ears and our voices to listen well to other members in our community who are also made in the image of God or image bearers, to look at them with eyes of love, to speak words of truth that glorifies God whenever we reverence men and women made in the image of God who have, who have that DNA because of being created in God's image. But also, it means that we glorify God and honor God in our bodies whenever we are pure, whenever we avoid the near occasion of sin, specifically also sexual sins, uh, sins of pleasure, uh, sins of gluttony, uh, sins of lust. So stay away from those sins, and as we experience them and struggle with them, bring them to the confessional. So um, I was, man, I was praying with this, and in the Old Testament, um, there's the story of Eli, and Eli's sons desecrated the temple, and they were super sinful in the temple, and because of their sins in the temple, like, a lot of bad things happened, um, like, to them and other people. I mean, like, God don't play. When it comes to the temple of the Lord, like, literally people would drop dead for doing things that were inappropriate with the temple of the Lord because the presence of God was there. How much more so is the presence of God in you and I? by virtue of our baptism. Like we're literally dwelling places of the Holy Trinity. So if we commit like, you know, sins, uh, specifically sins of the flesh, like whenever in the Bible, people would have like orgies in the temple or whatever. Oh my gosh, like that's terrible, right? So uh, that was a big deal and they had to pay big consequences for that, like death. And so that's why it's like, it's, whoa, it's, it's huge. It's really bad whenever we do that with our bodies because our bodies, by virtue of our baptism, are like sacred. They are set apart. And so we glorify God in our body by watching good TV shows and not allowing bad images and bad songs to come into our ears or our mind, um, you know, which is why there are certain, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, Ja Rule, there are certain songs from him, most of them, that I 
I don't listen to anymore uh, because they aren't good for me to listen to anymore, right? Or they were never good, but I didn't know that back then, right? Because they're they're not edifying to the Holy Spirit. There are certain TV shows that aren't good for us to watch because of what they bring into our body, which is a temple of the Lord that's meant to be used to glorify God. So how do you glorify God even when you're brushing your teeth? I mean, well, recognize this, this act of brushing my teeth is I'm taking care of this body that God gave me because if I don't brush my teeth and if I don't floss, right, flossing is very important, people, that I can get gum disease. And if I get gum disease, than I could experience. I could even like, there's like a bunch of like other serious illnesses that can come from that. And so I'm not reverencing this gift that the Lord gave to me. So we glorify God in our bodies, um, in our lives, whenever we adore him and whenever we praise him for his presence, but also whenever we reverence um, him in, in our bodies. So this is the theology of the body right here and in the bodies of our brothers and sisters in our community. So hopefully, hopefully that was helpful for, for you. Next question, uh, speaking of the sacraments, uh, salvation for non-Christians. This comes in from um, Andrea or Andrea. Uh, let me see. Uh, what was it? And I rise up, I rise like the day. No, what's, is that her name, Andrea? No, I don't know. What, what is her name? That's a good music video, though. If you ain't seen that music video by that's uh, the song Rise Up, oh, it's this beautiful couple, and the the husband is paraplegic and the wife is taking him out on a date and it's just or he's taking her on a, on a date and I just it's a beautiful beautiful love story and ah oh man I loved it so so beautiful so salvation for non Christians what is the church's teaching on non Catholics Christians getting to heaven because I know some truly kind and loving people who are Hindus and even though they've heard of Jesus and believe he was a great man they haven't converted so. Where does this leave them in the eyes of the church? That's a phenomenal question. And it's actually not that controversial. Uh, a lot of people think it is on the surface. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that big green book, which is super cool, uh, in paragraph 846, it says this, uh, salvation comes from Christ, the head, through the church, which is his body. So we're going to do a little break it down. Break it down. We're going to break it down what this is talking about. So number one, salvation comes from Jesus Christ. This is biblical gospel of John. Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So again, praise God for the word of God. He said it himself. So how does one receive salvation according to the Bible? Like, let's get biblical, people. Um, is it just saying a, a, a sinner's prayer? Um, right? No, probably not. So the Bible says this. Uh, number one, baptism. First Peter 3.21, St. Peter says that we are saved through baptism. It's biblical. St. Peter says it. Like, in the Bible, 1 Peter 3.21, so baptism, again, that's salvific. It's not just a symbol. It is salvific according to the word of God. But after baptism, most of us fall into sin because the just man falls seven times a day. And so after baptism, we have confession. These are my confessions, confession. So when we repent, God invites us to repent. And so we repent. The way that we are invited to repent by Jesus Christ is through the confessional. He breathed in the apostles and gave the apostles the power and the authority to forgive sins. He says, who sends you um, forgive are forgiven, who sends you retain are retained. All right. So uh, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So confession. And then when you are in a state of grace through baptism and through confession, you receive holy communion. John chapter 6, Jesus Christ says, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. That is salvation. So the word of God uh, shows us that Jesus Christ saves us through baptism and confession in the Eucharist, but he does it in and through his body, his bride, the church, right? And so these scriptures affirm that reality. I think Dr. Peter Kreeft or Kreft, however you say his name, I'm not sure. He has this really cool analogy. He says like the, the sacraments are like God's ladder that God builds, not for us to climb to get to God, but that God builds so he could, he could 
climb down to get to us. God comes to us in our brokenness while we are sinners. God comes to us. So the sacraments are the ordinary way that we are saved. Jesus Christ established the sacraments and he established the church. And so if we have a an understanding of the sacraments, if we were actually taught the sacraments and we believed that, that was, so a lot what happens in a lot of parishes is you have a lot of people who aren't teaching the, the real faith. And so a lot of people were never actually exposed to the truth of the sacraments and the truth of the church. And so, but a number of people also have yeah, never been taught this. There's people all over the world still, their heirs of the world have, have never been introduced to the sacraments or to the church. So if you do know, if you were in relationship with Jesus Christ and you did understand the rules and accept the rules and then choose to reject the rules at some point that you have learned, well then, yeah, that's pretty serious. It, that's, that's rejecting God, right? And so uh, one could go to hell for that. However, however, what about the people who were never invited to a relationship with Jesus uh, through the charisma? What about the people who were never actually taught about Christ and his church and the gift of the sacraments? How about them? What does the church teach about those people? Uh, the church says this. The church says this in the catechism uh, of the Catholic Church. This affirmation is not aimed at those who through no fault of their own do not know Christ and his church. Those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ or his church, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, trying their actions to do his will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience, those too may achieve eternal salvation. So if you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus, and it's not through any fault of your own, right? Um, you didn't have anybody who beautifully shared the gospel with you. That maybe the Catholics in your community were mean people, and they were getting drunk all the time. And so you saw them, and their witness was so scandalous. You were like, well, I can't ever look at them to see if Jesus is an option. So I'm just going to do the Hindu thing, because every Hindu I know is super nice and kind and peaceful, whatever, right? So if it's through no fault of your own, then yeah, there's still... Uh, a possibility that you could be saved. But if you are saved, it is only through the grace of Jesus Christ that he gives through his church still. So it's still to the church that you're saved because Jesus Christ chose to administer his grace to us through the instrument of his church. And so he would save you through some extraordinary way. The sacraments are the ordinary way of salvation. He would save you through potentially some extraordinary way that we that we just aren't aware of. So is it possible that your friends who are Hindu are non-Christian, non-Catholic can, can be saved? Yeah, it's possible. If, again, if they did not know, if they did not know. So God's not going to judge us on what we don't know, right? Through no fault of their own. Um, again, some people, uh, I think about people who, uh, like imagine like if there was a Hindu who went to a Christian camp and was abused by a Christian minister when they went with their friend for their summer camp, like their image of Christianity will be very much scarred. And they're like, you know, I'm never going to go back to that place. That, that place triggers that trauma. And so, but that person still tried to be a good person and live a good life. Then yeah, Jesus Christ could save that person. We don't, obviously we don't know um, how he does it, but he, we do know that he can do it because nothing's impossible for God, but that's not the ordinary way that he saves people. The ordinary way that he saves people is through the sacraments, uh, through receiving the sacraments of his church. So hopefully that uh, is is helpful. So yes, it is possible for non-Christians and non-Catholics to be saved through Jesus Christ, who is the way and the truth uh, and the life. If through no fault of their own, they did not know Jesus Christ. So we as Christians have a great responsibility to share Jesus Christ. And so if they didn't know Jesus Christ, maybe it's because we didn't do our job. 
because we knew that they were Hindu or Muslim or, or Jew, and we never tried to share the joy of the gospel with them. We never tried to share the charisma with them. We never invited them to a Bible study. We never invited them to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. So we are going to be held accountable for that which we did not do. Sins of omission are just as bad as sins of commission. In Matthew 25, Jesus said that some people will go to hell because of sins of omission, because they chose not to feed people who are hungry or clothe people who are naked or give people drinks who are thirsty or visit people in prison or welcome strangers. Those are all sins of omission. Those people may have been chaste. They may have been virtuous in many other ways, but it was their omission that excluded them from the kingdom of God. Likewise, I believe our omission of sharing the joy of the gospel could also um, have a serious effect on us because he told us in the gospel, go out and make disciples of all nations. So that is not in a suggestion, it's a commandment. And so if we don't fulfill that commandment, we will be held accountable for that commandment that we did not obey. So the, the weight really is on you and I for what we know and what we have the opportunity to share, which is the person Jesus. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into our final question about our first parents uh, who uh, Jesus Christ descended from, um, Adam and Eve. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can order my new book with Father Mike Schmitz, Pocket Guides to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It is available at ascensionpress.com uh, slash reconciliation. It's also on amazon.com as well. You can order that. And uh, you can also check out our free ebook at the Diocese of Baton Rouge, diobr.org slash vocations. So you can journey with us this Lent and uh, praying and fasting for vocations to the priesthood and religious life for our land. Final question comes in from Peg. I love that name, Peg. Hey, Father Josh, I've been digging into my Catholic faith the last few years, trying to understand why we believe the things we believe. Why do we do the things that we do, etc. And it's been incredibly illuminating. But one of the biggest things I've come to realize is how important that first story is in Genesis and how our whole faith takes off from that. Amen. But one stumbling block I have is the talking snake. Can you better explain that aspect? Was there really a talking snake or is that to be interpreted symbolically somehow? Considering how everything is based off of this, I need a better understanding because my base intelligence tells me snakes don't talk. Help. Uh, beg. Yeah, so St. John Paul II, uh, who I love, he's my father in the faith, uh, he actually addressed this in one of his general audiences uh, when he said that the serpent was a symbol. The serpent was a symbol of the devil. So the devil is real. Satan is real. Like th this is super, super real. I, I know a lot of people believe, oh, the devil's not real. No, like I, I, I'm telling you, I have, I, I know for sure the devil is real. And so uh, the dialogue between Eve and the snake was symbolic of the real story of the fall of, of man. John Paul II interpreted the serpent as symbolizing the devil as opposed to being the devil in physical form. So it was symbol symbolic of the devil as opposed to like this is his actual physical form. Uh, and, and he says that we found ourselves in this fallen state after having disobeyed the creator's command at the prompting of the evil spirit, which is symbolized by the serpent. This is in a general audience in September uh, of 1979, so when he was a newly uh, made pope. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of things in the Bible that are, there, there are different senses of the Bible. There's a spiritual sense and there's a literal sense. And the literal sense is that meaning of scripture that was intended by the human author. Uh, and it's closer to what we probably would call like literary meaning of uh, the meaning of the text as we can best ascertain by studying 
It's historical context, genre, literary features, etc. And that's what we mean when we say the literal. So yeah, there's a literal aspect of Moses writing the book of Genesis as well as the rest of the Pentateuch, what he literally meant whenever he wrote that. But there's also a spiritual sense as well. And so that's where we can um, say that there was a lot of symbolism using this story. Now, what's interesting is that the word serpent in Genesis, which was written in Hebrew by Moses, is the same word that's used in the book of Revelation um, by John. Uh, and But the word John uses in Greek, and that's where dragon comes from. So whether the devil appeared like this huge big dragon and maybe Eve was scared and Adam was scared to defend her and maybe that's why he didn't uh, stop her from having a conversation with Satan because Satan appeared as a dragon or Satan was really cunning and seductive and appeared as as a, as a woman or as a man or, or however the evil spirit communicated with Eve we do believe that we have come from two people. Uh, we have a mother and a father um, and so whether their names were Adam and Eve, like that's that's not necessarily important. We know that we came from one man and one woman. God created one man and one woman in the beginning who had a soul. Um, and it was through their sin that um, that's why we have original sin. They committed sin. So every one of us is born with 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 something missing, with grace missing because of what they did, um, because of them entering into a personal relationship with Satan. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism. So you don't have to believe that the snake talked. However, if you wanted to believe that there was a talking snake, you can. That's fine as well. Um, but you don't have to believe it was a talking, uh, talking, talking serpent. Um, it, it, that was there was symbolism used in that story to to give us deeper spiritual meaning, which is that at some point our first parents entered into a personal relationship with the devil, and look at the fruit of that. And if we also engage in a conversation with the snake. The devil, the serpent, the dragon, uh, El Diablo, whatever, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, if we engage in conversation with him, then we're very likely to also experience the same fruits that they had, which are uh, not good. So that's the deeper meaning of the story. And hopefully that was helpful. All right, let's go ahead and pray. And I look forward to continuing our conversation next week. Hit me up with your questions, comments, critiques at essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us. Amen.